0: Hello, and welcome to This Mom Loves. I'm Kate Wynn. I'm a teacher, a writer, also a wife and mom, and you are listening to episode three of my new podcast. Today on the show, I'll be sharing a couple of my favorite things, including an app that I love and a great suspense novel. In the lifestyle section, we'll be talking about tips for saving money on bills. And my special guest interview today is with royal expert Amanda Desha, and we'll be talking about all things Kate and Megan. So I'm looking forward to that. Today's episode of This Mom Loves is sponsored by One A Day Women's Gummies, a multivitamin formulated to help support good health, including your immune function, bone and teeth development, and more, all in a tasty, fruit flavored gummy. Always read and follow the label. I'll jump right in with my first favorite thing, which is an app that I love. And by way of introduction, I want to let you know that I have always been a huge magazine buff. I have an aunt who's eight years older than I am, and in a case like that, she's more like a sister than an aunt. And from the time I was about 10 years old, I used to love reading her magazines, Teen and Young Miss and Seventeen, back in in the day. And ever since then, I've always really loved reading magazines. And I used to buy at least 20 a month, probably. Sometimes I would be part of the exchange that my mom and grandma and aunt and great aunt had going on, where they'd buy them and, and trade them off. But, you know, it can get to be expensive buying so many magazines. And then I discovered an app called Texture. It used to be called Next Issue. Now it's called Texture. For $10 a month, you can read all the monthly magazines that you want, $15 $15 a month includes weeklies. So I like to read People, I like to read Hello Canada, which come out each week. They're included for a $15 a month flat rate. They're American, Canadian magazines, anything you can think of is, is pretty much there. And while I thought that I might miss having hard copies of magazines, I mean, occasionally if you go into the pool or something like that, you'd rather have a hard copy than an iPad, but really I don't miss it too much. Um... I have cut down a little bit on the number of magazines I've read. I like to purge all different areas of my life, and I did. I did cut back. I found some of the ones that I used to love when I was younger just aren't uh, suiting my phase in life anymore. I also cut out some of the ones that are pretty much straight up tabloids. But it's great being able to find everything in one place. You can even get the back issues for all of the magazines that you want. You can access them on five different devices with your password. Very, uh, very convenient. Cancel anytime. This is not sponsored. I would love to uh, to have Texture sponsor um, a blog post or a podcast, but it's not sponsored at all. I'm just sharing it with you because it's uh, it's changed my life and the way, to, the way I read magazines. Everything's there like auto, finance, fashion, entertainment, anything you want. And I just also wanted to mention when I was reading the latest issue of Real Simple Magazine on Texture, there were three references to podcasts. And so that just gave me an extra little push uh, to get started with This Mom Loves. The next thing I want to share with you is an excellent book called Our House by Louise Candlish. It's domestic suspense. So Fiona Lawson comes home to her place in the London suburbs and finds another family moving into her house. So she's got a bird's nest co-parenting agreement with her estranged husband. And I've heard of this type of agreement, but I didn't know it was called bird's nest, where the kids stay in the home and the parents just trade off and, uh, and go back and forth so that the kids' lives aren't disrupted. So she arrives for her turn at the house. He's missing. She can't find the kids. The book is just full of lies and secrets that keep unraveling, different perspectives. It's very dramatic, but not the gory, bloody type of suspense. It's a little more subtle and and smart, but I couldn't put it down. So I really recommend that one, Our House by Louise Candlish. Now is the time where I just want to let you know where you can reach out and find me because I would love to hear from you. I would love to know um, that you're listening. If you have any ideas for the show, things you want to see more or less of, or if you just want to reach out and say hello, it would mean so much to me to know that that you're out there listening to This Mom Loves. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at This Mom Loves. I'm on Instagram at KateThisMomLoves. You can email me This Mom Loves Podcast at gmail.com. And you can also find me on my site, thismomloves.ca. And if you go to thismomloves.ca slash podcasts, you can find episode notes for all of the shows. And this one's episode three, if there's anything that you want to go back and check out later. Moving into the lifestyle section now, I have a fantastic tip that has worked so well for me for saving money on your bills. And it's just going to blow your mind. So here's what you do you ask. That's it. So take a look at all the regular bills that you pay, call each company and ask how they can help lower your bill, especially if it's something where there's some sort of, you know, competition in terms of cell phone providers, cable, all those sorts of things where they want to make sure they keep you. It might be helpful to ask for their loyalty department. And you don't even have to be pushy or threatening, but just say, I need to save money on bills. I'm looking at options. What can you do to help me? So I did this effectively with my home insurance, car insurance, cell phone, and satellite provider. They were all able to help me find ways to, to lower the costs. And another little extra tip with Home Phone. I have done it before when I had a regular landline. I've called in and found ways to lower the cost. Sometimes you are giving up little features, but they might be things that you never use. Or with insurance, there might be discounts that you weren't aware that you could get, that sort of thing. It's so worth the time. But with Home Phone, what I actually did, I was paying over 30 bucks a month for my landline. I switched to Uma. And uh, someone named Crystal, who I know from uh, from the community, mentioned it on Facebook. So it's a voiceover internet phone system. The pros of it are that it's only five bucks a month. You pay about $100 for the actual little unit that you need to start up. But after that, five bucks a month, that's it. You can keep your own phone number. It's a little bit of a process to do that, but you can totally, which I did. It includes call waiting, voicemail. You can even access the voicemail online. So I just like pop on my laptop if I'm away somewhere and I can just check and see if there's any voicemails and listen to them right on the computer. You can do it on the phone. And the other thing that's not good about that, though, is that out of the country calls aren't provided. So if you do a lot of calls from your country to another country, you do have to make a deposit in advance for those long distance calls. But otherwise, you're unlimited within the country. So there's no long distance from from one place to another. And the other con is that no Internet means you have no phone. So if you've got kids staying home alone or things like that, or your your power often goes out and you're worried about your phone service, then that is one thing to think about, you know, for power outages and things like that. But for us, we found that it's been totally worth it. It's been a huge money saver. And again, not sponsored. I will always disclose if something is sponsored on the podcast, but hey, Uma, if you want to work with me sometime, that would be great. But again, what I really recommend, make a list of all the bills that you pay, Call them all up, say that you're looking to to lower your bills, lower your payments, and see what they can do. I'd love to hear if you try this and if it works for you. So please reach out and let me know. Now it's time for a quick word from our sponsor, One a Day Women's Gummies. I can honestly say that I take one a day every day. And while I still try to get in some fruits and vegetables, this multivitamin gives me some peace of mind. It has ingredients to help maintain immune and muscle function, eyesight, and metabolism support. The chewable gummy format is particularly great if you have difficulty swallowing vitamins and comes in tasty mixed fruit flavors. You can buy one a day women's gummies wherever vitamins are sold. Always use as directed. I am very excited to introduce my special guest this week, Amanda DeShaw from Effervescence Media. She is a royal expert who runs sites about two of my favorite duchesses. Um, What would Kate do? Obviously about the Duchess of Cambridge and Megan's Mirror about the Duchess of Sussex and she's a mom too. I'm really happy to have her here today. Welcome Amanda. Hello. Great to be here. So your official title is Director of Operations for Effervescence Media. So tell me what your job entails.
1: Sure. So what I do is pretty much all of the back end stuff, the unsexy things of um, blogging and uh, operations (laughs) of that nature. So um, whenever there's a technical glitch, that's usually me. But no, what I work with uh, my partner, Christine, on is we work together to build an editorial calendar to vote, looking at coverage about who's going to cover an event for Megan or Kate. I work with all of our contributors to make sure that we have the right people attending the right events or the right people covering the right events. I also work with with our back office team to make sure that we have, you know, all of our orders that we have from our shop. We just launched a couple of new products um, that we have fulfillment. Um, and just all of the really basic things that make companies work in the back end is really where, where I come in very unsexy stuff though. I can't, uh, I can't <laughs> tell you, Christine does all the fun editorial work and the creative side of our business along with our team that does that. But I'm just, right. the, I'm just the, 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 behind the scenes the lady.
0: Well, you do excellent work behind the scenes. And I would like my reader or listeners to know that uh, you redesigned this momloves.ca about a year and a half ago. And I was so thrilled with it. I love the way it looks now. Oh, thank you. It was so much fun to work together. So in terms of media and especially social media, things like that, what changes have you noticed over the years when it comes to blogging, social media platforms, that sort of thing?
1: Sure. I think the biggest thing that I noticed is when we started What Would Kate Do back in 2012, having a blog by itself as a standalone entity was kind of something that people could do and be somewhat successful at. You didn't need to have all of the additional so- social media channels that now have become ubiquitous that you have to have for a good presence for a blog. You know, you kind of have to have an Instagram account, a Twitter account. A Facebook page, a Google Plus page, a YouTube channel. There's so many things that people are expecting of, of bloggers and of websites now that it's, I think what it, the biggest thing that we've noticed is just the explosion in terms of the amount of content, the amount of material, and the amount of channels and ways that people are trying to find your content. It's a, it's, it's a whole different world.
0: Well, that makes sense to me too. I've been blogging for over eight years now and I really notice the conversations have moved from the blog to those other social media platforms. So people aren't really commenting Mm -hmm. on blog posts as much as they are when you share it on Facebook. That's where the conversation happens. A little bit on Instagram too, leaving comments, asking questions and things like that. Not so much on the blog, on the site
1: yeah, absolutely. We see the exact same thing. We we have seen a few really good comments and conversations happen on our blog recently, actually. I don't know if it's just because we allow more characters than some of these social media sites do, <laughs> but there's the the majority of our interaction with our readers is through social media. It's on Twitter when an event is happening, or it's on Instagram when we're posting photos of events or of different types of things. It's It's really not happening on the blog, just like you said.
0: And I know we hear a lot of people say, you know, general statements like, oh, Twitter is dying or only old people are on Facebook, that sort of thing. What's your professional perspective on the different platforms?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm um, I don't have a personal Facebook page. I'm maybe one of very few people. Um so and what I've found is that Facebook tends to be used for more personal type relationships. It's following up with people in your life. It's following up with friends and family that you may not see very often and getting a glimpse into what's going on. But I think it has turned into um more more of it, i guess you could say an old an older person's type facebook social media site um a lot of the younger people that we talk to a lot of our younger readers are really focusing on instagram they're focusing on snapchat they're focusing on weight that are very visual they're looking at very visual type platforms and using those to leverage their the photos that they can take instantaneously on their phone. Twitter is a really interesting one. A lot of people have said that it's dying or, you know, it's not as, it's not used the same way it was in the past. And I think that's actually quite accurate. Twitter has become really somewhere where you can get up to the minute, up to the second news. Um, A few years ago, they changed their algorithms so that you would see things that weren't in sequential order. So you would go on and see things that Twitter thought you wanted to see, even if they had Mm -hmm. happened 20 hours ago. And they wouldn't show you the thing that happened 20 seconds ago. And there was an outcry. That's People were so angry about that. I mean, I was one of those people. I was not seeing things that were happening live. I was seeing things that happened days ago in some instances. And Twitter is actually now going to make the change to go back to being a real time platform. And I think that's where a lot of these companies are trying to figure out what it is that makes them special and what makes them unique. And Twitter is a real-time information source. Um, there's no other way to get around that. It's just if you need up-to-the-minute information news Coverage—that's really where you're going to be able to find it. Instagram, of course, is so visual; it's where you can get a curated good sense of things. Snapchat—I think I'm too old for Snapchat, Kate. I think I'm just—I um, I think I'm too. just out of the conversation. I have an account; I've used it a couple of times. It's mostly to keep track with younger people in my family who call me old for being on Instagram. <laughs> um, and and then you have Facebook, and you know we have a lot of readers that have come and looked at our Facebook page, and really, most of the engagement doesn't happen there anymore. So I think think all of these things are changing all the time. I think what's most important for bloggers to pay attention to is where they're getting the most traction, because where one site might get a lot of their readers um, interacting on Instagram, another one might have very small amounts of their readers on Instagram. And I also think it's really important to focus On the ones that you really want to focus on, I don't know about you, but I don't have enough hands or hours in the day to be on all of those platforms. It's just completely unreasonable. Too much. You 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 have to pick and choose, and you have to pick and choose which ones are best for you and your readers. And for us, that turns out to be Twitter and Instagram, Um, and to some lesser degree, but still very important, Pinterest. Pinterest is the often forgotten social media platform. Um, But really a valuable, again, visual tool that people can use to get to your site to find more information about you. And it's a great way of being able to just get out there to a whole different group of people who may not need to follow you on social media. They just maybe like a picture that you've tagged there. So
0: Well, I know as a teacher, when you see people using neat ideas at school and you ask somebody, oh, where did you see that? Or where did, you?" oh, at Pinterest. Everybody finds everything on Pinterest when they're teachers. So yeah, I know it's a very popular one too. So I know you and your business partner, Christine, were kept really busy with media requests during Harry and Meghan's engagement and around the time of the Mm -hmm. wedding. So tell me a bit about that. That must have been fun.
1: It was I was um I was the lucky one that got to stay home behind the computer. <laughs> um and Christine Christine traveled um on behalf of our company to London and it was really exciting to see all of the attention that went into these things. There were I, I think I lost track of when I started getting to interview number 100, um, wow. where we were, who we were talking to. Um, it was almost surreal to be tuning into some of these major networks. And look, that's Christine. <laughs> um, so it's um, it's a very, it was very different to see that side of things. It's been very interesting Um, for us to be able to comment um, about Megan and about her from both a Canadian perspective, as of course, I'm from Vancouver, um, and also from an American perspective, as Christine is from Washington, D.C. So there's different perspectives that we're able to bring. And, you know, what I think the most it, it, it never becomes something that you're comfortable with. (laughs) Maybe you you're on TV all the time and you look fantastic and at ease. Um, but for us, it's never completely comfortable. Okay. 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 Well, you, you play it real well. Um, I think it's just something that you get, you get used to, but you never really get used to it. I, I will never be able to naturally smile
0: for a photo when
1: I'm not naturally smiling. It's just not something I'm good at, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it was fun.
0: And why do you think there is such a huge interest in the British royal family here in in Canada and in the States? Yeah, that's
1: a great question. I think a lot of the interest comes from the fact that it's something that's very traditional and people tend to gravitate towards tradition in periods of uncertainty. And that's very much what's happening in the States right now. There's a lot of political divisiveness, to, say, to put it politely, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of you know, discontent with what's going on down there. And I think a lot of people have gravitated towards the fairy tale of Meghan Markle, now the Duchess of Sussex. And not Mm -hmm. specifically just so much because it's a great love story and, you know, it's a girl from Los Angeles meets royal prince and goes on to be a duchess of the royal family. I think it's also because of Meghan herself. She comes from humble roots, and she has used those humble roots to her advantage by focusing on charitable work, by being very down-to-earth, by being very open on her social media platforms, which have really made her a relatable, accessible type person. And you have to call it out. You have to say it. She's also, um, you know, partially African-American and people have really gravitated towards that. She's a minority and she's speaking out about it and she's passionate about it. And she speaks about women's rights so passionately. And I think... I think all of us are looking for a role model of someone like that, someone who's the full package who, yes, can absolutely rock a gorgeous ball gown like no one else can, but also stands up and talks about women's rights, charities, you know, different parts of the world that have underprivileged girls that she's trying to help and sustainability initiatives. And I think that's part of what it is, is she's the whole package as a role model. She's not just someone who's pretty to look at. Um, She's not someone without substance. And I think that a lot of people have really gravitated towards that.
0: And how would you respond to people who think that the monarchy should be abolished, or even Canadians who kind of wish we would just sever our ties with the crown? What would your response be to that?
1: Yeah, we, I, I got asked that question actually on uh, live television once. And it was very <laughs> awkward. Um, <laughs> you know, everyone has their own opinions about things. And I think I'm a, I'm a bit of a traditionalist where there's, there's things that have happened for hundreds of years. And I'm also about technology and moving ahead. And obviously, there's a lot of things about the past that did not fare well for women or for, you know, people of color or all those kinds of things. But I think what it really boils down to is that it's something that we can all look to and look to from a historical perspective. And let's face it, the Queen is not going to dictate any political changes in Canada, really. Um, And yes, there's potentially a lot of money that We spend when a tour comes through, but there's also a lot of benefit to the economy. So if you think back to when William and Kate came to Canada, for example, the amount of tourist dollars, the amount of interest that was peaked in terms of some of the very remote communities in BC where they were visiting, um, I think we we sometimes need to look at the full picture um, and take everyone's viewpoint into consideration.
0: Yes, and also the whole uh, effect of the clothing and accessories and everything, which I want to get to in a minute as well. But before I do that, I just want to ask, what do you think about the stories that you hear sometimes about the crown going straight to William rather than... Um, passing to Charles. What do you think? Do you think that's a possibility? Uh, I really don't.
1: I really don't. I, I think that it will go to Charles. I think Charles has, well, A, he's waited long enough, uh, if nothing else. But, but I think he's really shown over the course of his life, how he has spent a lot of time working towards initiatives and working towards being a really good public servant. And I I think that uh, that he is will become the next king and I think William will be the one after that. I just um I just can't see it
0: happening. Okay, just curious on your perspective there. So you were mentioning the the effect that it can have, you know, like in tourism and things like that and also I know what Kate and Meghan wear, like that is a big deal too for economy for businesses. So can you speak a bit to the Kate effect and the Meghan effect?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The impact of one of those ladies wearing a piece of clothing will boggle the mind. I know that it's something that I get asked about all of the time. Is that really what happens? Um, But websites will crash. You will see sites go out of stock. We will see all kinds of craziness. And it really, really is just because they're wearing those clothes. Now, what I find most interesting is between the Kate and the Megan effects, is there, there, there's two, maybe I'll back up a little bit. I think there's two different groups of people if there's two very different groups of um, fans of Meghan and Kate, if you will. There's the mm-hmm. traditional people who love Kate because she's Kate and she's part of the royal family. And they are, you know, monarchists, very big believers in the traditional area of the monarchy. And then you have Meghan who joined and the royal family and we were expecting the same types of people to be interested in Meghan. And what we have found is that actually Meghan is a whole different ball game. She mm-hmm. brings with her all the people who are interested in the monarchy and tradition and that type of thing, but she also is bringing in people who have never had an interest in the royal family before. Ever. So we right. get comments all the time saying you know, I'm I'm from such and such a place, and I've had all these challenges in my life, and I look to Meghan for inspiration, and I don't know anything at all about the British royal family. I didn't care. I never paid attention to them when they were in the paper or on TV before, but now I really do. And I think that that is also part of the tie-in to the Meghan effect in clothing. We're seeing that she has the same ability as her sister-in-law, to sell out a piece of clothing um in some instances megan manages to sell them quicker because megan has historically worn more affordable pieces and those fly off the shelves like just they're gone before often before we can even make the purchases ourselves Um, they're just they're just gone and it's not necessarily because the women are very different. Um, I think they're both very passionate about charitable endeavors. I think they're both very passionate about their husbands and the royal family and, imp- you know, improving the relations of the, you know, the, I shouldn't say the relations, improving the actual in British fashion industry. But Megan's really looking at a whole bunch of different things, like Canadian fashion, for example, yes. that Kate hasn't really ever focused on other than the one tour where she was here. Megan is wearing... Burke's earrings on an incredibly regular basis. She's wearing, you know, Smythe jackets and Taylor coats. She's wearing no knee dresses that no one had ever heard of that brand before she wore it from Montreal designer. So I think they're, I think the most, the most, the thing I can say about them from a commonality perspective is that they both really understand the power of the clothes that they wear. Mm-hmm. I think the ability that they both have to speak sartorially through their fashion is, is amazing. I think they have a lot of power in that, but they have very different styles and it's appealing to very different groups of people. And that's part of the fun for me. I think that's actually quite fun. There's different elements of style. And I, I think I really like that about both of them.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I don't know, my listeners may not know that I'm definitely a follower Well, of both of them, but I I love Kate's fashion. And I'm part of the hashtag replicate uh, community where we like to uh, find pieces that look like Kate's. And I mean, I'm not buying the things worth hundreds and thousands of dollars, of course, but I mean, she does. I've got things like a pair of Adidas shoes or Zara and Gap button ups. Right now I'm wearing my M&M striped top. There are some things that are more more affordable. So it's fun for me, I think, to be able to think, oh, I'm wearing the same thing as the Duchess. It's just... uh, It's just neat. And don't you think Megan's Canadian influence is coming from her relationship with Jessica Maroney as well? Absolutely. I think a lot of it is coming from Jessica,
1: who is a huge advocate for Canadian fashion, huge on the Canadian fashion scene. And I think it's also coming from the fact that she's spoken several times in interviews about how Canada became her second home she spoke so fondly of her time in Toronto. Um, she spent seven years there and if anyone can survive seven Canadian winters in Toronto, I think you <laughs> probably, you're an honorary Canadian in some many ways. Right. So, um, I, 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 I think, yeah, yes, yeah, there.
0: Yeah. 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 And now what are your thoughts on media stories that pit Kate and Megan against each other? You see that kind of on the, the tabloids a lot. Yeah, I, I
1: really don't like that. <laughs> I really don't believe that the the, the two of them are arch nemesises or nemeses. I don't know the right <laughs> way of saying that. Um, but I, I like, I think that they're both in very unique positions in life. There is no one else like them. There's no other jobs, for lack of a better word. Like there's no other roles like theirs. I think they have to almost rely on each other for friendship, for support. And there's no one else who would understand the pressure that either of them would be under better than the other. So I really believe that they are friends. I know Harry thinks extremely, you know, she, Kate is very important to him and Kate mm-hmm. has played a very important role in his life. And I just can't imagine him with someone who didn't feel, you know, at least friendship towards her. Um, if yeah. not a deep personal friendship.
0: Well, I would definitely like to picture them as friends myself, though I do have to say I, I felt a little bit badly for Kate when Megan was kind of peaking during that engagement time and everything, and she was at the end of her pregnancy, and so mm-hmm. Megan's getting all this press for her, you know, great outfits and everything, and then sort of at the end of her pregnancy, and then having her baby, and you know, whatever, but I'm sure uh, I'm sure it wasn't a big deal to her, that was just something, you know, looking at all the media stories and, and Megan uh, getting so popular like that, I just wondered if that would be the kind of thing that, that Kate would even think about or not, but maybe not who knows? Who knows? And that's, I
1: think that's part of the fun for us all is to kind of try and guess what they do and what happens behind closed doors. And that's always been the ethos of what would Kate do?
0: Now, I'm curious to ask you what your baby predictions are. Will we see a fourth baby Cambridge? And when will we see a baby Sussex?
1: Wow, that's a great question. Um, I'm sure the bookies are desperately listening to my take. (laughs) Um, You know, Um, From the comments that the the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge have made, I don't know that we will see any more children. Um, We know that Kate has very difficult pregnancies. I don't know how she has gone through the terrible sickness that she's had three times. So I don't know that she'd be Mm -hmm. up for it a fourth. So I'm not sure about that. What I am sure about is we will see a baby Sussex at some point in the future. Um, I, I, I would be willing to wager that we wouldn't hear anything probably for Quite a substantial amount of time, though, because there's, as we all know, um, Harry and Meghan are heading to Australia, to Tongo, to Fiji, and to New Zealand, and there are some Zika warnings in that part of the world. And I, the, the the consensus seems to be that they would wait for the six months that the medical staff has, you know, kind of put forth as the recommended time before getting pregnant after that. Um, maybe they have access to better testing than others, or maybe there's different precautions that they're taking otherwise, but I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see an announcement. Um, you know, well, I guess we wouldn't see an announcement for quite a while because as she's not as sick as Kate would, we wouldn't see it at quite as early on either, but maybe another year right. for the announcement, which would yeah, be a little sad, but, um, yeah, it's, they've, they're also just newlyweds just figuring things out it's a very different new way of life for her, a new continent, a new country, a new role, a new everything. So I'd like to also see them spend some time, um, alone and getting to know, you know, each other in their way that they want to be in their life together first.
0: Yeah, that sounds good. So now I want you to do a little role play for me, Amanda. So first of all, I want to brag to my listeners that when I was in London a year ago, I did have a Kate sighting. (laughs) And by sighting, I mean a nice royal correspondent told me where she would be so I could be standing at the driveway as she drove out. So by sighting, I mean I saw her through the car window, but I don't think I will probably ever get the chance to interview her for my blog. And when I do interview celebrities, I always ask them how they would finish the sentence, this mom loves. So as the Kate expert, I would like you to Pretend you are her and tell me how you think Kate would finish the sentence, this mom loves. Sure. I think this mom, Kate, the,
1: Kate, the Kate dancer, um, loves spending time with her kids, loves watching them grow up and loves watching them grow up in a way that is outside of the limelight and protected so they can have the most normal, regular childhood that we um, can possibly see for them. I also think she really loves little cute dresses and outfits to put them in. Um, so I um, I definitely think she loves fashion and also will pass that down to her kids.
0: All right. Thank you. And now switching back to Amanda again, I would like you to leave us with what is one recommendation you have for listeners? I mean, a book, a food, a band, anything that you think that, uh, that they should try out. Sure. I've actually recently just discovered poke. Have you heard of
1: a poke bowl? No, it's all the rage in Vancouver. It's um, it's essentially a bowl of uh, it's warm rice, and then they put sashimi, tuna, or salmon on top with a bunch of delicious toppings like edamame or ginger or whatever the case may be. But they're fantastic, and I would highly recommend everyone try one if you haven't. I don't know how widespread the phenomenon is, but in Vancouver, they're all they're little poke p o k. E with an Eurex Sante for those of us in Canada, um, those, those uh, restaurants are popping up everywhere here. So hopefully they will show up other places as well.
0: Okay, excellent. Well, thank you so much,
1: Amanda. It was great chatting with you. Yes, absolutely. Many times.
0: And there you have it. Episode three of This Mom Loves. Thank you so much for listening. I would love if you could subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you could rate or review it, it really helps others to find me, which is so helpful for a new podcast like mine. If you need to find any information that was shared on today's episode, you can head to thismomloves.ca slash podcasts. And this was episode three. I'll be sharing... um, Links to the apps and the book that I talked about. I'll also put links to my my travel stories from London and share my sighting of Kate and sighting of Harry there for you if you're interested. Links to all of Amanda's information, the great websites that she runs, so that you can find it all there on the show notes. And I would like to leave you with some last words from Clayton M. Christensen. He is the author of How Will You Measure Your Life? You can talk all you want about having a strategy for your life, understanding motivation and balancing aspirations with unanticipated opportunities. But ultimately, this means nothing if you do not align those with where you actually spend your time, money, and energy. In other words, how you allocate your resources is where the rubber meets the road. Until next time, everyone, have a great week.